Hello? Check. Unlimited power. Okay. I like God. Okay. Um, <laughs> just go. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Bob. Hello. Alright, alright. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for having me again. And um, it's been a real blessing for me. Um, this was very um, unexpected in a way that this, this type of uh, subject would come up in a church. Um, I remember it kind of came about at Tito Ding's birthday party. And we were talking with the guys. And then uh, they were like, Josh, could you share to us your views about church? And I was like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> you know, and, um, and I appreciated uh, Pastor Rob because he was saying uh, we're, we're very open. And when I know he said that, he seemed pretty sincere. And, um, and so I'm really thankful for th this subject that I'm going to be talking about. It could be very uh, dangerous for a lot of churches. At least these are, these are my personal opinions. These are the conclusions that I came to concerning uh, my understanding of church. Um, I, I just have to do some disclaimers here because uh, I've been, I think aside from the grace message, um, this subject of church, my, my personal views of church have been really misunderstood. In fact, I would meet some people here and there that would be like, Hey, you're the guy that tells people not to go to church anymore. You know, and, uh, and that's not true. Uh, not once have I told anybody in the Philippines to not go to church. Um, and so uh, what I want to encourage all of you all to do is that if, 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 if I say something that might raise a red flag for you, and you need clarification, please ask me. Please ask me. Um, I, I, I'm not asking you to agree with me. Just, just at least understand where I'm coming from. Um, but I just want to say this in the beginning. I am not against the church. Okay, like at all. Um, what I'm going to be sharing today is that I'm merely going to be challenging certain practices that are done in the church. And I guess before I begin, I'm going to just give some definitions first of what I'm going to be, or so we know we're on the same page. I'm going to be critiquing something called the institutional church. And uh, we call that the IC, you know, just for short. But the institutional church is basically like established churches where many times their gatherings are sustained by programs. And there needs to be a lot of structure. So that's what I mean by institutional church. Uh, what I'm going to be promoting tonight um, is not any particular model, but it's more of a perspective. And this is what we would call organic church. And uh, my definition of organic church, it would just basically be, it's like a living entity. So where it's a li living and breathing uh, community of God's people that are basically sharing life together. Where um, it's not as though there's no structure at all, but we, we keep the structure to a minimum. You know, um, and, you know, I'm going to be using terms like biblical and unbiblical, like, because I'm going to be sharing things about that I, things that I find in the institutional church that are unbiblical in the sense that you just don't find it in the scriptures. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just that you don't find it. And just through my studies, um, there's two books that I'd really want to recommend to you all that really influenced me. Uh, one of them is called Pagan Christianity. And one of the things that this book really did for me is that it gave me a historical basis for the things that I was starting to question. Um, I think one of the most dangerous things that we can do as Christians, and I think you all have done this, especially when it comes to the message of grace, is that you've learned to question. But the problem with Christianity today is that when you start to question, 
things that are seem like they're very foundational to Christians, you're you're going to be labeled a heretic or something like that. And um, like my my group, I could honestly say like um, I've been really hurt when it came to this whole church stuff here in the Philippines. I've had people from big churches here come up to my friend and say, "Hey, you need to leave. Stop hanging out with that Josh guy and come to a real church." You know, they would say things like that. And honestly, that would it, it breaks my heart in a way. And in, in one perspective, I'm just like, oh, whatever. They don't understand what we're doing. But it just saddened that there's so many close-minded people that they would just judge, you know. And, and you know, I would tell them, like, uh, oh, I'm, just, I'm not really into church. Sometimes I get bored. And this one pastor's like, well, come to our church. <laughs> you know? And for me, I'm just like, that was a pretty arrogant statement from a pastor, to be honest. Because it's, uh, that's, a, that's the thing, though. It's all about what's cool and fun, you know. And as you already know, I'm, I'm pretty much honest when I speak, so I'm just going to share my heart. Um, as I told Pastor Rob at the birthday party, like I'm not going to, we call it, I'm not pulling any punches. But I'll be as gentle as possible. My heart, people that are going to be hearing this audio, because I'm going to put this up on the website, pastors may feel that I'm attacking them. And for some of you pastors that are here, I'm not here to attack any of you. Um, I know how it is to be a pastor. I've done it for several years. As a young guy, you know, since I was really young. And, uh, but for me, the things I'm going to be sharing, it's really things that I, I believe it's on the heart, hearts of a lot of people, but they're just too afraid to bring it up. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, but I'm just going to start, okay? And then when you have any questions, just start going for it. I, don't, I, I want this to be more interactive. But I'm sure all of us believe that we are the church. Like everybody believes that. You will not find one Christian that will deny that statement. But, pero, you'll hear statements from Christians that doesn't line up with that statement. For example, it's Sunday. We need to go to church. Or you'll, you'll go to a church building and they'll say, you'll tell your kids, shh, be quiet, Anna. You know? You're in the church, you're in the house of God. You know? Or don't chew gum here. We're in the house of the Lord. <laughs> or things like that. Um, or, you know, you, you just look for a nice building or things like that. And when you hear statements like that, you can see that there's a lot of confusion, at least an inconsistency of people of how they use the word church today. And uh, I'm just going to share a little bit of my testimony, so I'm not just giving you information. But I want to tell you, share to you why I'm at the place that I'm at now. That I didn't just arrive here on my own. Oh, I didn't even mention the books yet. The two books were from Frank Viola. One of them is called Pagan Christianity. And he shows... Have you guys ever asked the question, uh, where do we get church buildings from? Where did they come from? You know, all of a sudden you see many churches with steeples. And this is the way a church is supposed to look like. Sometimes they have like these colorful stained glass windows. <laughs> or things like that. Or statues. And, and it's funny because many Christians don't even ask you, ask, where did that come from? Why do we design churches? Why do we have pews? You know, why is there a pulpit in the middle of a stage, like a platform for a speaker? Um, or, or where did the pastor come from? Um, did, did you ever notice in the scriptures that the word pastor is only mentioned once in the Bible? In Ephesians chapter 4. But yet the pastor is just basically the main person in the church. But the word pastor is mentioned in the Bible, but it's mentioned in the plural. It's mentioned as pastors. And, uh, but many times, you know, you, we judge churches based upon the quality of the pastor. How is church today? Ah, uh, the pastor sucked. The message was boring. <laughs> you know, that's how it is today, you know. 
So where do we get this whole idea of a head pastor? Where do we get this idea of the order of worship? You, no matter what country you go to, I've been to Thailand, Philippines, the States, um, there's always the same order of worship. First, there's what? There's praise and worship. Then there's announcements. Then there's uh, sometimes offertory. Then there's a sermon. You know, you guys get what I'm saying. There might be little changes here and there, but no matter what country you go to, there's the same order of worship. Where did that come from? Um, you have uh, people doing offerings and tithes. Where did that come from? You have um, um, ordination. Where did that come from? Is that really biblical? Um, and I could just go on and on, but basically Pagan Christianity is a book where they call it that it deconstructs. It tries to prove that all of the things that we, the majority of the things that we do in the church today are pagan in origin. So it's not that, uh, the word pagan is not necessarily a bad thing. It typically it's used as just it's non-Christian. But the problem is that even though they're pagan in origin, these are central features. The things that I mentioned, like a preaching, sermons, uh, worship, these are central features of what make up an institutional church to continue to sustain their gatherings. Right? Usually, like, uh, we'll talk about, okay, what do we do to get more people coming? We need to have better this and that. We've got to have better equipment. Or uh, for the young people, we've got to have some games because the kids will get bored. So it's sustained by a program. And uh, what Frank Viola does, he basically deconstructs and shows of where it came from and tries to, you know, just pull pieces out of, of, of uh, how the institutional church came about. But the goal is, is not to tell people that the church is bad. The goal is just to show that uh, it's a violation of the new covenant on some level. Now, we were talking about this earlier at dinner. Now... Many people who have the grace message, typically the grace message is usually only in reference to stuff like the forgiveness of sins or um, the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's given to you, um, etc., etc. But the problem is there's sometimes many Christians don't extend the grace message when it comes to the church. So that's why there will be churches that will be preaching grace, but it hasn't extended in the way of how does the body of Christ supposed to function under the new covenant? And it hasn't reached to some people. Ancient Judaism has three elements to it. It's the priesthood, it's the priests, the sacrifices, and the temple. When Jesus died on the cross, He'd done away with all three. There's no more temple, there's no more sacrifice, there's no more priests. The temple of God is now you. The priest now is all believers. It's called the priesthood of all believers. Um, the sacrifices are no more. It's been done away with because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was once and for all. And that's why you could go to... Um, oh, I'll finish up with the book. Check out the other book called Reimagining Church. That's a follow-up to Pagan Christianity because a lot of people that get this revelation, they say, Josh, now what do we do now? You know, one of the guys, I won't mention their name, when we were at the gathering at Tito Dings, I was sharing my heart. They said, Josh, now we have this information. We're going to be thinking about this all night. <laughs> and I'm not here to confuse you, but I'm here to offer some guidance and say, okay, here's what you can do. We're not here saying do it our way. I like what some of you guys have said. It's like um, not, not every community is the same. Every group is unique. You know, um, The needs are going to be different in every, part, in every single group. And I feel like that's why the term organic means that it's living. It's alive. Uh, the body of Christ was never described as an organization. But many times the church is, is used like it's like an organization. You have your board meetings. You have sh uh, marketing strategies. You have to have these women's ministries. and You just have to do everything. It's like it's 
it's like networking in some way. But when you look in the scriptures about the church, the language was, was very much that has to do with life. It's called a body. Uh, it's called a vineyard. It's called a family. It's called a bride. Um, you, you won't hear language like, uh, okay, we need to become more strategic in this. <laughs> you know? and, and I think Christians have adopted that type of mentality and brought it into the church. Um, there's one more book I can recommend that really impacted me. It's called So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. And a lot of people, they're like, what, Josh, I want to go to church. I'm like, it's just a title. It's to get your attention. Um, but it, the, the, the book is not telling you not to go to church. It's just giving you the perspective of what it means to be the church. Like if I tell you, they say, Josh, what church do you go to? I'll say, what do you mean? When you ask someone, where do you go to church? It's just like asking them to go to themselves. You know, because we are the church. Um, but I'm even willing to go a little bit further than some people because I think there's an unhealthy view because when everyone's like, well, I'm the church. So they kind of live their own Lone Ranger life and they stay away from community. I'm not promoting that type of church. When we talk about the church, the body of Christ is a body. The hand does not say to the foot, you're not needed anymore. So when the, the Bible talks about the church, it's talking about the corporate church, but also in the sense of community. Right? Like when you look at the churches in the New Testament, it will be called the Church of Corinth uh, or, or, or Ephesus. And, but it's funny, even though because uh, there were several churches within one city, there were still one church broken up into several different homes. But you could go here. You could go to Makati and you could find up dozens of churches that are completely different than each other and there's no relationship to them whatsoever. But within the New Testament, there, it was one church broken up in different places. So that's why if you wanted to see a New Testament church today in the Philippines, we'll say the Church of Makati. But it would be just one church that's broken up in several different homes. But nowadays it's like, it's all based upon denomination. <laughs> you know, are you charismatic, evangelical, or things like that. So I've just seen that as it's been like a far cry of how I've seen the church just looks very different than what I've read in the New Testament. Especially in the book of Acts. You know, um, the, the New Covenant began at Calvary, but you see the true expression of the body of Christ in the book of Acts. You know, and um, any questions so far before I keep going? Okay, it's okay so far? Okay, now let me just share a little bit of why this happened to me. Um, it's like it's a bad thing. Um, I no longer go to church, and some of you know that already. Um, and I'm okay. And I'm not promoting a type of Christianity where don't go to church and the institutional church is like the Antichrist or something like that. I've seen some Christians, even on Facebook, they make fun of the institutional churches on some level. And they just think it's completely bad. You know, if they ever hear someone be called pastor, like, oh, why are you called pastor? You know, that's not new covenant or something like that. It's weird. Sometimes they take it a little bit too far. I'm not coming from that perspective. I'm not here telling people institutional churches are bad. I'm just, my perspective is, is that I think there are some things within the institutional church that could hinder organic life. Things that naturally happen. For example, you could go to a Bible study, but before Bible study starts, everyone's acting normal. Hey, how are you doing? Where's your house work today? Oh, eat some, you know, kaina, you know, and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, okay, guys, let's start, let's start, let's start. Then everyone's quiet. And they say, okay, let's do testimonies. Who wants to do testimonies? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> and it becomes awkward. You know why? Because it becomes structured again. It wasn't organic. It wasn't flowing naturally from life. Just like 
Many times I would I could attend a service and I'm just like, Lord, I'm, I just want to get out of here. I just, I'd rather be at Starbucks and just tell my friend my heart. I'm going through some stuff. And sometimes I'm just waiting for the program to be over. Okay, I'm sharing from my heart. Okay, let me know if you, if you had enough of me. Okay, um, but as you know, I served um, at all the denominations. I, I, I grew up, uh, Word of Faith, Pentecostal Assemblies of God. Um, then I went to a uh, um, Korean church. I served as an apologetics teacher there. So I moved on to another denomination. And then I served as a pastor for several years at a Southern Baptist church, which is a really different from those other denominations. And then I went back to a uh, Pentecostal church, which was a mega church. Um, and then I came to the Philippines. My, my plan was to come here and possibly join one of the bigger churches. You know, I, I was hearing that some churches are pretty cool and they're pretty hip and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I'll check those churches out and they're young pastors. But when I was going to these churches, I just wasn't feeling it. And um, it's weird because I was so excited to meet new people as a new missionary here in the Philippines. And I'm here, I'm, I'm seeing these pastors in jeans. And well, that's different, you know, for some people. They're trying to, you know, they have coffee in the back and things like that. That's like a new thing. Or their church will look like a performing arts center or something like that. So it doesn't look as traditional because they want to be relevant. That's the term now, you know. And, uh, but even when I was at these churches, my heart just wasn't into it. And um, a lot of people would introduce me as, this is Joshua, he's a missionary, he's into apologetics and healing. Oh, you should come preach and stuff like that. And, and part of me was like, do they even really want to just get to know my heart? You know, I'm letting, I'm a very simple guy. Okay? My life's not all about ministry. Some people, their life's all about me, my life's not all about ministry. And um, so I started hopping to these different churches. I was even teaching um, some of their small groups. And I also had an advantage over other people that didn't even go through their training. But they still let me do it because of my background. And I still wasn't feeling a connection with these people. And that really started to sadden me. And I think I told some of you guys this last time I would go to this service. Then even though everyone was like, hey, how you doing? You know, bless you, brother Josh. And then I'd go home sad. I'd go home still lonely. Um, I still wondered if people really wanted to know me or are they just interested in what I can give them. You know, I mean, of course, I want to contribute to the body, but it just didn't seem that real to me there. You know, I don't hear about people's sins. You know? It's like I don't tell someone they're mis- You know, it's like, of course, you can't do that at an institutional church. But it, isn't it interesting, folks, that we call the church a hospital, but yet everyone that goes there looks healthy? <laughs> you know, that is the way it's described. But um, so people hearing this audio might know these churches that I'm. I'm just not mentioning their name, but I'm just trying to really be honest here. And I left those churches that I was hopping around, and then I eventually planted our church in Makati, uh, which was eventually joked around. It was called a church with no name, because we had no name, but it called a church with no name. And it was just a small group of friends, and we started sharing grace. And as some of you know, when people hear grace and they're open, ah, it just changes their lives. And we were doing healing at the same time and um, started growing really fast. But then all of a sudden, it was getting too big. And um, I started to notice it was getting a little bit more structured. And we're like, welcome everybody. And we're doing announcements. And we had to have a worship team. And for me personally, I just started not to like it. Because it didn't feel as like, hey, how's it going, guys? It was just more like, welcome everybody. <laughs> you know, It just doesn't feel natural to me. This is just me. So people could call me selfish or something like that. 
And I remember when I was, it was going so well, but there were sometimes, folks, on Sunday, I didn't even want to go. And I'm the one preaching. <laughs> so I'd be waking up, I'm like, Lord, <laughs> if I don't even want to go today, I wonder how the other people are going to feel. You know? But then it's funny because all of them told me they wanted to go. So that's kind of encouraging to hear. But I said, Lord, um, I don't want to go though. And I'm not here to cater to other people. I'm going to be true to my feelings. And I don't want to go. And I was introduced to a book called So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. And I asked all of my friends, and that's why it's nice because it's a small group. I said, do you guys mind reading this book? And uh, I think all of us, we read the book. So one Sunday, we canceled our service. <laughs> and then uh, we discussed the book. And I told them my heart. And I said, you know, you guys, for myself, I'm not going to waste my whole life just wanting to doing something because I'm trying to please people. I'm going to be honest to my feelings. I said, I would rather just want to be the church and not focus on a Sunday program. And I said, you can go back to your churches if you want. Um, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not here to control you. I was never like a controlling type anyways, you know. And they've all decided to say, no, uh, we want to try this out. And so, you know, week after week, we wouldn't have services. And it was new for some of us. Then I could see with some of them, they're like, yeah, this is kind of cool, you know, it's Sunday, we just hang out, you know. But some of them, it's kind of like, Josh, I'm not used to this, you know, it's, be, it's, a, it's a routine, you know. But then over time, our group, actually from what I could tell, our group became pretty okay with not going. It took some time, but it's just a matter of breaking out of a habit, you know. So we just learned to be the church and... Um, as some of you guys know, our testimonies like we still do healing. You know, I think their kids, Pastor Rob, kids they saw me at Estenard. I don't think they saw us, but we did healing in one of the aisles. We prayed over some guy in the aisle, and then he got better, and he felt his bones move. It's his brother over there, and um, so we we bring the church wherever we go, and um, because I, I I feel like many times we we tend to isolate or or, or, or create spe- special times. Uh, this is church. Like this, I'm even trying to break this language in my book that I'm writing where I even write an article today about the ways to do church. I don't even like that language. Uh, this is how you do church. You know, I think it's a step ahead of some people because people think that church is just a building. But I think even the doing church is not even a biblical understanding because they'll say, okay, uh, let's just say you go to Starbucks, then you're just talking about random stuff about a movie. All of a sudden, someone brings up a question about grace, and they start talking about grace. They say, hey, we just had church. You know, and I think that's a step ahead for some people. But I'll even say that that's not even the correct usage of church. My thing is, I would say, no, 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 no. Uh, you are the church, but you just started talking about grace. You know, um, if you watch a movie, you know, you watch Expendables or something like that. Uh, you're the church that's just watching Expendables. You know, because you don't want to make church something that you're doing. It's as if it's a special activity of reading your Bible. The Bible describes you and me as a church. And um, so that started to happen and with, with our church gatherings. And we still don't... I don't even remember the last time we did that. But it ended a long time ago. It was last year. And, um, but we started having gatherings that I think have a scriptural basis for it. Where people would come up to my friends and say, you know, tell... tell you know, you should come to a real church. And I remember when I heard that from one of my friends, I said, you know, why don't you, you know, you actually, we actually have more biblical support for it on how we do our gatherings than they do. Because we, we started eventually having gatherings at our friend's house, which is the way we feel like the New Testament church met. Think about this. 
Um, when you go to a church, which is a building typically, who's doing most of the, the work? The people in the front. Right? I mean, that's just, it's a given. Right? We're just going to be honest with ourselves. And everyone else is just passively listening. Right? And it's easy for people to just sleep. <laughs> because it creates passivity. Because they're not getting involved. I spoke to a guy, a missionary. I just met him randomly um, at the mall the other day. He says, Josh, um, I was part of a house church for a couple of years. And I would bring these people that were in part of a house church where everybody's functioning, everyone's doing their gifts. When I started taking them to an institutional church, they didn't understand it because they're just watching people do their own thing. And they had to stop doing their thing, you know. So it's, it's a very radical shift for a lot of people. Um, and the stuff I'm sharing is going to step on a lot of toes here in the Philippines because people, that's the way they make their income. That's the way I made my income here. For I've been serving in the ministry since I was really young. I started making money. I, I, I've only been a minister, basically, like my main job. I've always had side jobs, but my main source of income was when I was a pastor. I made really good money, really good money, you know. And now that I came here and I'm not doing the institutional church thing, um, where does my source of income come from? Now it just comes from people who just believe in what I'm doing. You know, and it's not like from a paycheck or something that I get. And so that's been very challenging for me at times, to be honest. You know, because it's not a regular paycheck I get anymore. But it's, it'll be hard for some people. And, um, but, but think about this. With, when it comes to the building, um, have you ever, I remember going to a church and they were saying, this is the house of God. Or uh, the presence of God is in this place. Or I remember when I was a kid, they'd tell me, don't break dance on the stage. You know, it's disrespectful to the house of God because it's like it's holy ground. You know, you and I know because you have the grace of revelation. That's old covenant language. You know, I don't think I'll see the Ark of the Covenant on the stage anywhere. But we're using old covenant language of the house of the Lord. You know, John chapter 4, I believe, it says, you know, you won't worship on this or that mountain anymore. You'll worship God in spirit and in truth or spirit and reality. You don't have to worry about the temple anymore because now you are the holy temple of God. You are now, you know, that's what, that's the beauty of the gospel. He doesn't dwell in any temple. He doesn't, you, have to, you don't have to go to this or that mountain. You are now his dwelling place. You are now the bride. In other words, we are a different form of Jesus Christ on this earth. People don't realize that. We are a different form of Jesus Christ on this earth, but, but people still have this mindset that I think stems from Roman Catholicism. Because the pastor today could be just another version of the Catholic priest. Where he's the head, you have to submit to him. He's the man of God who handles the word of God. You know, uh, people come up to me and say, Josh, you know, they treat me like I'm a specially anointed guy. And, I, and I'm trying to tell them, you, I'm just as anointed as you are. You know, maybe under the old covenant, it's a different story. You know, some people are anointed, some people are not. But under the new covenant, John, 1 John chapter 2 says that all of us have the anointing. All of us are priests now, the Bible says. And, and I think a lot of people tend to forget that. You know, um, when it comes to the building, there's a lot of money that goes into buildings that I feel like it could be unnecessary. Um, sometimes I, I, I wonder... Do you really need that stuff on the stage? Do you really need to have the high-tech things? And, and it makes it... I, I wonder, I'm like, I wonder if, if that was the case of how a church is going now, you can never have a good service in the provinces that are poor. You know, you, you have to have the best of the best. 
And my, my, my focus, you guys, is that I'm not against people having nice PowerPoints, okay? My focus is that if we lose the focus of being relational, which is what the body of Christ is supposed to be all about. That's plain and simple. The body of Christ is just sharing life together, plain and simple. That's it. And sharing life together means that you're going to get into each other's lives. That I eventually want to have relationships with you folks where you'll pry into my life. And you'll say, Josh, what's going on? How are you doing? And, um, and you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, you'll know my heart. And, and I feel like many times in churches today, it's not about that. It's like, what's the, who's the newest speakers? Or what's the newest book out? <laughs> you know, and then you just adopt it into your new church model. I'm telling you guys, church model just fail all the time, man. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not about this new book that says this is the way to do it. I'm not even telling you how to do that type of church. I'm just pointing you to the new, new covenant truths. You know, um, I wrote about this in my book, about the pastors. Okay, pastors, I love you. <laughs> I wrote this in my book that I was a pastor too. I respect pastors. I feel like they're one of the most underappreciated people in the church, honestly. We go through so much crap, okay? We go through so much. I remember parents would blame me for their kids. I'm like, that's not my fault, you know? It's like your kids have their own minds, you know? Or we'll get criticized for our sermons or things like that. And I feel like pastors are very underappreciated. Um, but just let me share my heart up for pastors. It's a tiring job. Um, that's why there's a lot of pastors whose kids, you know, there's a whole label of pastor's kids. They're the ones that are the worst. <laughs> because when you're a pastor who's leading a church, um, nowhere I'm not speaking into that and making it going to happen, but... It's like there's a lot of pressure to have a certain image. And many pastors have admitted that they became corrupt on some level of trying to be people pleasers, of trying to be nice to people who are giving the biggest tithes, uh, things like that, and, or, or they start to neglect their family. Not, I'm not saying all, I'm just saying there are some who admitted this. Barna, George Barna was one of the co-authors with Frank Viola in his book and he did uh, uh, research, study like polls. Um, of this, these things and um, but when you think of a pastor like I was mentioning before the pastor gets the most attention right um, when you go to a church okay now I'm not trying to I don't hate Joseph Prince I love Joseph Prince's ministry but if Joseph Prince was in that new creation church would people go? some but one of the main attractions of New Creation Church is Joseph Prince. And if he's not there, they'll be like, aww. You know, it's like, they'll still hear New Covenant truths, but they're very drawn to certain speakers. Like, like I said, how is church today? Oh, the sermon suck. It's funny how we, we equate church with the sermon. How is it? It had nothing to do with relationships. You know, oh, how is church today? Oh, it was like, it's a program. There was dancing and song. And they mentioned nothing about relationships whatsoever. Nothing. Some of them do, some of them don't. But I think many times no. And we're really just trying to figure out ways to entertain. And I feel bad for pastors because the word pastor in the Greek, it just means a shepherd. You're just nurturing people. But nowadays, to be a good pastor, you have to be a good preacher. And that's really not what God is telling pastors to be like. You know, I, I could look at someone who sucks at preaching and be like, you're still a pastor. 
Because it has, it's not even, you, you could preach if you want, but that's not what identifies someone as a good pastor. It's whether or not you love and care. Like, I remember one guy heard my name come up at a party, which is kind of funny. So that's how bad my name has been spread around here. It came up at a party, and they're arguing about this new missionary named Josh and Grace and all that stuff. So this guy's like, I want to meet Josh. And so I met this guy, I think, the very next day at Mega Mall. So he says, Josh, I want to enter full-time ministry. I want to be a pastor. I said, do you love people? Yeah. Do you, do you know how to uh, nurture and care for people and shepherd? He's like, yeah. You're a pastor. So no, 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 no. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I said, no, I understand what you're saying. No, you don't understand. I want to enter full time ministry. I want to be a pastor. I said, I know what you're saying, you know, but I'm just trying to give him food for thought. That in God's eyes, he's a pastor. But many times we even came up with the whole ordination, right? You have to even question: Is that even biblical? You are now ordained as a, a Licensed pastor. Did you know, folks, that I'm not ordained? I'm not ordained. And for lack of a better way of putting it, I can still get the job done. And uh, there are many people who are ordained, and they're not getting the job done. And when I look at the role of pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, um, apostle, um, my perspective that I have now is this. Those are not offices. Many times in the script, uh, people read the scriptures and they look at those names as titles or offices when in fact they're merely functions. You're pastoring, you're eldering. Right? An apostle is someone who moves around and plants churches and then uh, lays down the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's a function. Like I've mentioned this before, you don't need to put a sign on an apple tree and say this is an apple tree. You'll know it's an apple tree if it's producing apples. But many times people don't do the job until they're given the title. You are now a pastor now. Now go share the word. And, you know, lead a congregation. When I remember when I was in ministry as a pastor before, they're like, uh, you know, good Pastor Josh, can I have this part of leadership? And I'm like, well, why don't I see you doing that now? The stuff that you're asking to do. I, I just want to see it in your life first. Don't wait to be told. You know, but that, that's how it's been. You know, you're given the title and then all of a sudden, that's when you do the job. No, you do it because it's in your heart. And as I was sharing earlier um, at dinner, the elders in the scripture were already active elders within the churches in the New Testament, but they were recognized later on. So they were already doing, quote-unquote, the job, but then they were recognized. Like if I have someone in my community and I notice they're prophetic, then they're the ones that are the prophets, in a sense. I don't need to say, okay, I'm going to make you a prophet, I'll be an apostle, <laughs> Yeah, something like that. No, it's just like you do whatever your God's called you to do in that sense. But now it's been so professional. Ministry has been a professional thing to be a professional pastor. You know, and I remember one pastor in the States when I was going to seminary, he says, man, Josh, my job's the easiest job, man. I just, I'm in school all week and I just preach on Sundays. That's it, you know. And that really broke my heart. When I heard that, I'm like, that's not being a pastor. That's just called being a preacher. <laughs> you know, you're just preaching on Sundays, man. You know, I'm like, if a real pastor would get into their lives, the congregation's lives, and, and check up on them and just love them. And, and, um, and I can just go on and on. I want to hear some questions because I can just keep going. Okay? Uh, what are some questions that you have concerning the things that I'm sharing or you, you need some clarification? And if, you just, if you're too shy... Speak in Tagalog, then some will translate for me. So what are some questions that you may have? How are you today, Josh? How am I? I'm How doing... Ah, okay, love. <laughs> now I'm doing, I'm doing really well. 
I'm not even lying. I'm doing real. I have my own mistakes in my group. Some of them know my flaws, you know. Um, but I'm actually doing okay. I'm really excited to see my family, and um, I'm excited to be here and get to know you folks. But I'm doing okay. Yeah. And I know, and I can honestly say, you folks, I know you guys care about me. I know that, or else I wouldn't be here as much. Honestly, I told them when I first met you, I'm like. I really think they'll be like my titos and titas. <laughs> you know? So I know you guys are not just asking me just to be a speaker. I, I feel like there's a relationship formed here. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. What are, what are some questions? A while ago, you mentioned about uh, minimum structure. Yeah. What do you mean by minimum structure? For example, like we can just get too caught up with the program. Like many times you'll have a program and everyone's too caught up with just the sound or, or uh, the quality of the PowerPoint, or is a praise and worship team ready? Now, those things aren't bad to have ready, but that's not, shouldn't be the focus, though. Um, I think the simpler it is, that, in my opinion, the simpler a gathering is, the more effective it is. If you, like, for example, you don't need much structure when you go to Starbucks, but you're pouring your heart out. You didn't need a pastor to guide you. you, need, you it just happened, and you grew from that. Because all of a sudden you just started sharing life with the Christian and telling them your heart. And so for us, the most structure you'll see from us is meet up on Wednesdays at Krispy Kreme. That's it. Um, I won't say is uh, praise and worship ready? Um, do I have a sermon ready? You know, things like that. So in my opinion, I feel like the more structure, the less life there is. I'm not saying that there's no life because God can do anything. God is so big, He works through everybody. But I think there could be less life. Because I, I feel like God might be looking down at a lot of mega churches that are so caught up in program and entertainment. I feel like God just like laughing and be like, that's not what I had in mind, but you know, I can still work through that. But I feel like God just desires very simple relationships with people. You're doing the kingdom stuff, you're healing the sick, you're proclaiming the gospel, you're breaking bread together, enjoying full meals. Uh, and just sharing life together. But that's basically it. Just not getting too focused on programs. Because I don't know about you, I've been in the ministry for so long too. Some people just get too caught up with the program. Like, that's not even a big deal. You know, the PowerPoint, just who cares, you know? I mean, you know, or the electricity was out. You know, there are times where I'll be preaching and, you know, things aren't working. Well, who cares? I'll just move on. Because it's not about that. Or some people will say, oh, you need to dress up for church or something. Who says you need to dress up for church? God does not care about how you dress. You know, um, of course, He desires modesty, of course. But I, the book even talks about how He ended up dressing up for church. And He created a special class for the rich and the poor. You know, just, 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 God does not care at all how you dress. And I mean, that's the thing, but people say you have to Like some of you joked around that pastors, you have to wear the suit and tie. Remember, you talked about that at the dinner. And it's true, that's how people think now. It's like God. They think God cares. God doesn't care. He doesn't care. All He cares about is your heart. That's it. He just cares about your heart. And if the PowerPoints and uh, structure will help you to understand God more, then by all means, go with it. You know. So I tell people, um, if you experience life in the institutional church, stay. But if you don't, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. You're probably on a journey where God's teaching you new things. You know, I heard one guy talk about how sometimes you could be feeling so judgmental. Because, you know, especially when you get this revelation of grace and church, 
you'll start going to a church and you start becoming judgmental, like, oh, that's law. You know, it's like, you know, that's, that's mixture, right? You know, that's not new covenant, things like that. And sometimes people get hard on themselves and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm becoming too critical, but I'll even tell people, no, you're actually seeing something that other people don't see. Don't, don't even beat yourself. You're seeing something that other people don't see that maybe church was not meant to be like that. You know? Because um, folks, you and I can say, right, like, on some level, this, this is a little bit different, if I, depending on how I'm sitting, but this is called face-to-face community. But when you typically, when you go in a church, everyone's facing where? The front. Everyone's in the front. Sermon's in the front. Worship's in the front. Offertory's in the front. Special number's in the front. Then the people in the back, they go home when it's all over with. That's just how it is. And um, some guys were getting the revelation of this church, organic church, and they wanted to bring it into their institutional church. It can't happen. If you bring it within the church building, because as I've learned, uh, buildings or architecture, it always requires some type of response. It all depends upon the setup. If the chairs are set up in one direction, you cannot have a face-to-face community. Why do you notice when you go to Starbucks, the tables are round and you sit in a circle because you could have face-to-face community. But the only people that could speak up typically in an institutional church are the ones in the front with the microphone. And if anybody were to speak up spontaneously from the audience, it would be considered disrespectful, if not rude. You know. But when you look at the body of Christ in, in Corinthians chapter 14, you see that everybody was doing it. One of you has a word, one of you has a psalm, one of you has a tongue, one of you has an interpretation, one of you will prophesy. And many times you don't see that today. You know? Um, and it breaks my heart. And if people just understood my heart, that I'm, just, I'm trying to empower people to get the biblical perspective of church, that I'm not against it. My, my, my intentions are good. You know, like the way you guys are seeing my heart now, I think. Like I was at a gathering, we had our own gathering, because um, they asked me at dinner, are you the leader of the group? I said, I'm a leader in the sense that I initiate. But it's not in an official sense. It's not like we are now declared Joshua the leader. <laughs> and they start bowing down. <laughs> uh, no, just because I started to initiate, because they were so used to being told what to do. And so now they don't have to be told what to do. So I remember they're like, Josh, let's have a gathering at Lance's house. All right, let's go. Let's go to Lance's house. That day I was so sleepy, because I just spoke at Market Market that day. And I love about my group, because they didn't condemn me for wanting to sleep. So I'm there in the middle of the gathering in the living room. And I'm just like, I guess I just want to rest. So I'm like, so I'm just closing my eyes. I was sleepy, but honestly, I just wanted to pretend to sleep because I wanted to see how they would do without me. So this was a couple months ago. And all of a sudden, I was closing my eyes, and then I heard some of them playing the guitar. Then I heard Lance and some of them prophesied. And randomly, I heard someone speaking in tongues for the first time in our gathering. And I was just so happy because they didn't depend upon me. They're all fully functioning just the way I think God desired for them to function as a community. Um, expressing themselves. Because, you know, usually in a church today, uh, the, the positions are pretty limited. When's the last time you see prophets in a church? <laughs> you know, usually you'll just see the uh, te- uh, pastor, teacher, administration, ushers, things like that. But you won't see like the apostles or prophets or people speaking in tongues and things like that. And it's easier when you're in a smaller gathering because you're able to practice. And if maybe you get a prophetic word wrong, you won't look like an idiot because you're not speaking to thousands of people on a microphone on a stage. 
You know, there's, there's not much pressure when you're in a smaller gathering. So that's why you're able to practice prophetic words. Like in our small gatherings, we'll say, okay, let's see if we could try to get a prophetic word. Sometimes you could be wrong, but like, it's okay, it's just us. You know, but if you're on a stage in front of thousands of people, you can't really do that. You know, and um, so that's why I, I'm really for smaller gatherings. And the churches at the most in the New Testament were about like 30 to 45 people at most. Um, in the New Testament, because everyone's always concerned, like, Josh, what about if your group gets bigger? It's called multiplication. You multiply. You don't make it bigger. So in, in the New Testament, the early church just basically accommodated and, and uh, changed their homes to be able to fit more people. But they didn't have structured, you know, churches built. Uh, the churches came from uh, Constantine. And because Constantine was supposedly a believer, we don't really know. But Constantine, you know, kind of legitimized uh, Christianity on some level. Where because other people had their temples and buildings, he wanted to make Christianity acceptable, and the only way to do that was by constructing churches. But did you know that for the first 300 years, there was no church building? There was no church building for the first 300 years of Christianity. There was no such thing as going to church for the first 100 years, except when Clement of Alexandria mentioned that. But going to church didn't even mean a church building. At that time, Clement of Alexandria meant going to church in the sense of meeting in a home. So I'm not even for a house church. Because people think, oh, house church is a solution. It's not the solution. Because like I said, you can have a house church and it's functioning just like an institutional church with your program. It's just a mini-sized form. You know, you still have the main leaders. Uh, this may be a challenge. I think because of the new covenant, because of Jesus' death on the cross, there's no more hierarchy. There's no more hierarchical leadership. Um, we're all priests now. You know, someone even said, Josh, what about you just have your mega church, but you focus on small groups, which is big here in the Philippines. You do small groups, they think that's a solution. Here's the problem. If you were to have your mega church and you focus on a small group, it's still operate, operating under the top-down hierarchical structure under the head pastor or their, their board. Where whenever you teach something, it has to be within the bounds or the parameters of the church. And if you get off of the doctrine of the church, or, you know, it's sometimes your small groups has to be based upon the sermon. And I'm thinking, like, where do you get freedom with that? <laughs> you know, it's like people have different issues in small groups. You know, and, and I think Jesus came to do away with those things. In the Old Testament, yeah, the priests are there. They have special privileges, you know. New Testament, no more. No more. Even the women are okay. Mutual submission, you know. Um, but any more questions so I could tackle some specifics? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so everyone wants to. Yeah, so everyone wants to know. Okay, does that mean that I'm I'm trying to get rid of leaders? No, leaders are good. Leaders are the ones that change the world. But leadership, in the organic sense or New Testament sense, would be it's an unofficial sense. It's not giving. Leaders are ones who lead. Like a real leader doesn't need to be told what to do. That's called a follower. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so. Uh, in the, in the New Testament, in organic church, there are people who just simply initiate. They do, like for me, I'm the one that says, okay, Wednesdays, let's do this. But there are other people who lead and, and start uh, operating in the gifts at our gatherings. And that's some people we recognize as elders. Obviously, there's no elders in my group because we're too young. Because in the original language, elders just means an older person that's seasoned. They have some wisdom. 
you know, involved. The Bible talks about submit to your leaders. So everyone thinks, oh, it's there, hierarchy is there. People read into that, but it's not. If you look in the uh, in the original language, in the original language, when it talks about submitting to your leaders, it's talking about in the persuasive sense that because these people that are older and wiser, they will try to persuade you. And submission isn't the type of the hierarchical. I'm your pastor. You better submit to me. It's more of the yielding sense because it's relationship. It's a it's a mutual submission type, you know. And that, like I said, it's like I think people get too carried away with these leadership titles. You know, I've heard that a lot, not just in the Philippines, but even in the States. I'm the pastor, you need to submit to the pastor. That's called power trip. The, the only head that we need to submit to is the headship of Jesus Christ. You know, because um, a lot of people think, think, what about Moses? What about Joshua? They need leaders in the Old Testament. Those leaders in the Old Testament were just types and shadows of Jesus Christ. Because you won't see that in the New Testament. Right? You'll have people initiate, don't get me wrong, Apostle Paul, travel, lay down foundations of Christ, planet. But it's not the way we do it now where it's in official sense. You have to go through seminary training. Folks, I like I mentioned before, I I'm over seventy thousand dollars in debt for seminary and, and Bible school training. I spent over maybe maybe six years being trained for the professional ministry, which is an institutional church, and now I don't do it. Sayang. <laughs> you know, and um, because, you know, typically when you go to Bible school, you are trained for the institutional church. You're trained in hermeneutics, exegesis, uh, something called homiletics, how to preach. You have classes where you practice preaching because it's all about it. It's a performance thing, you know, and I don't do that. Obviously, I do those things. But isn't it funny, folks? I never took a class on preaching, but I preach a lot. I never took a class on preaching. You don't need that. <laughs> it, it, it can help you, but it becomes so professional. I remember some of my friends were getting graded in school because they were like, um, um, start again when they're preaching, because you get graded when you're preaching. Because whenever you say filler words like um, or you know, you have to start all over, so they grade you really hard. But you know, it is, they're, they're trained to teach you to become like this very eloquent guy, when in the ultimate sense, God doesn't care about. Look at Moses, man. He had some speech problem. I have no idea what it was, whether it was stuttering or speech impediment. God just cares about the heart. Now, I can understand within the institutional church it would make sense. Like, Josh, why wouldn't you want, you know, God just cares about the heart, but, you know, look at the praise and worship team. I wouldn't want a praise and worship leader that has a bad voice. It'll distract us. True. But that's because of what we made the institutional church to be like. It's a matter of you have to have the best of the best professionals up there. You know, um, I had an experience here in the Philippines a couple months ago. Okay, they hear this, they hear this, you know. Um, where at this big event, they opened up with a dance. So I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, I guess young people, they get to show their talents. And then after that, they had two people singing on uh, stools. Like very nice songs, you know, they took some secular song and turned it Christian, which a lot of people do, you know, and oh, that's nice, whatever, you know, and then the pastor went up, and he's like, hallelujah, you know, hallelujah, you know, that, son is watching there, and then Remy's like, comforting me, Josh, are you okay, because <laughs> I'm just not into it, you know, and I'm wondering, okay, what's, what, what's going to happen next, and after that, uh, the dance team went up again, like, again, you know, and then after that, the uh, uh, worship team went up. 
started singing some songs. And after that, the pastor went up again and was, Hallelujah, aren't you guys excited? You know, and then I was, you know, in my heart, and I'm not trying to judge them. I didn't get much out of that night. You know, um, there was not much content there. Uh, there was obviously no relationship stuff going on. Um, I saw a special row of seats for the pastors. I don't know, it just made me feel weird. Um, I was telling Remy when I went home, I said, Remy, I wonder if these people, when they went to this event and had all this entertainment and hype, if these people really got to capture the heart of God. You know, because even though these people, and it's really interesting too, these people had super nice voices. Uh, they were really good dancers, and don't get me wrong, but I was thinking, you know, what about those people that suck at singing? What about those people that suck at dancing? You won't see them up there. You won't. Because the church today is about performing with good songs, good dancing, good skits. But if you're not good at those things, you'll never be up there. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like only limited to a select few. You know, and, and bless this church, you know, I'm sure God has used them. But that type of stuff doesn't work for me anymore. I would love to be at a gathering where I see raw and real people telling me that they just messed up. That, that they could be struggling with drugs, they, they, you know, they, they, they want to get a divorce. You know, I'm not saying I want to hear that, but in some sense, I just want to hear people be themselves. Because everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody has junk. Everybody, including myself. And like I said, it just, when I go to churches today, it just seems too fake. It seems too fake. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And um, if you could have a service and be relational, by all means. I just don't see how it works. If it's too many people, I just don't see how it works. Um, but yeah, it just, it just breaks my heart, folks. Uh, but like I said, this is just me. It's just me. So, any more questions? Yeah. So the leadership is an unofficial sense. Yeah, they lead. So... Okay. Uh, so you chose, uh, you are preferably prepared to have a small group. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not, not, what if, if someone uh, wants to join to you, and then you have uh, maybe a uh, 40, but some want to join? Yeah, keep joining, yeah. So that's why I was saying maybe you could multiply from there and just split up into different groups. You're going to split up into groups. Yeah. How about the, how about, uh, the leadership of the Yeah. And that's why it's good. Um, that's why, for example, I don't think the Apostle Paul would just leave a church and say, because everyone gets scared when it's a free-for-all gathering. Like, oh, everyone can function. What if someone dominates over another person? What if someone talks too much? Or what if someone just does something, shares heresy or something like that? And we're not saying, like, just get a bunch of people together and let them do whatever they want. What the Apostles did is that they laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. They spent time with them. They walked with them. Um, as believers for probably like 6 months to 14 months these apostles did that and after that they were trained and that's why Timothy was sent out and just all these, they were apostolic workers they were all trained that's why when you have a gathering where you're empowering everybody to do these things they'll learn how to do it without that's why I wanted to close my eyes at my gathering so I could see them do it without me so when I go back to the states I know that they can still do it without me you know so I feel like many times um Nowadays, 
the only leaders that will be trained are the ones that will have like a special training class. You have to go through their Doctrine 101 or something like that. A lot of times people don't even care about doctrine in real life. You know what I'm saying? Real life situations, people don't care about all those heavy doctrine. But if you can just walk with people, there's something about these apostles or these, these apostolic workers that had this revelation of Jesus Christ where they became the message. And these people were so drawn to them. So when these people walk with them, it kind of Christ radiates from their lives and it becomes contagious. It spreads. You know, when I look at my friends, uh, we did healing the other day at SNR. I just called my buddy Alan. I'm Alan, you lay hands on the knee. He's just like, in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know? And then, wasn't that quiet? I was quiet because I wanted to see him do it without me. I just held the guy's hand. You know, the one that we were praying for healing for. Because I feel like, I think we've done okay job to say we've empowered our guys on how to heal. We've empowered our group on how to have a gathering without me there. In the beginning, it wasn't like that. In the beginning, I'm like, alright, you guys are so quiet. Okay, let me share some stuff. But eventually, you're going to have to start talking more. You know, but because everyone's so told, being told what to do. You know, um, I heard an interview the other day. Someone asked this missionary who said uh, he no longer fits in the institutional church. He just doesn't see himself there. He's been a pastor for so long. He says, do you think that the institutional church will eventually die out? You know, that there'll be no more. He says, no. It'll always be there. Because there's always going to be people that need people to tell them what to do. And it's true. You know, you need to be told to do this. You know, and, and that's why I want to tell people, don't even look to me. Uh, just look to Jesus Christ, man. I'm here for you. But sometimes there's an unhealthy dependency upon a pastor where sometimes the pastor has to be like Jesus. You know, it's like the pastor is the one that will preach to you, do Bible study. He'll visit you at the hospital. And then if he doesn't, he'll say he's a bad pastor, you know, because he's not there for your family. They're not learning how to empower people. There's too much of a dependency upon a pastor or a leadership. But yeah, I think you just have to spend, just walk with them. You know, and I, I wouldn't even encourage a type where it's like a training and stuff all the time. Just walk with them. I feel like my guys have learned to do healing very naturally because they see me do it naturally on outside at a mall. I didn't have to say, let's just do a training session at church. No, I'll be like, hey, look at that guy. Let's go follow him. Let's pray for him. And they saw how we just did it very organically. And I think, look at it this way. It's better caught than taught. Things are better caught than taught. When they see you do it, they can pick it up. I think Alan likes coming to some of my gatherings because he just learns, this young guy. And instead of me just saying, Alan, let's do one-on-one -on -one mentorship, you know, it's like, when Alan um, asked me to be his mentor a long time ago, I said, nah, man, I'll just be your friend, you know, and, but we never really did like a one-on-one -on -one healing, he just saw me do my thing, and you, you watch, and you just learn it. Um, and I think that's how people were with Jesus Christ, when they saw Jesus, they walked with him, they saw how he loved people, and they learned to do it. And once in a while, he would have teachings, you know, but it would be very spontaneous. It wasn't like he has to prepare a sermon every Sunday. And look at this, folks, because some people will say, no, Josh, there's, there's scriptural warrant for preaching every week. Because look at the apostles, the disciples, they preached to groups of people in the synagogues. But those were evangelistic purposes. Those are very spontaneous. They weren't regular. Do we have to do this every They were very spontaneous. You know, but many times, like I told you before, there's a lot of pressure for a pastor to have a good sermon. And I remember when I was sharing grace in the Philippines, I'm like, man, I gotta have a, have a good sermon every week, man. You know, there's like a lot of pressure. Like, oh, that was so good. Oh, I can't wait till next week. Oh, man, there's a lot of pressure on a pastor. You know, they'll judge the quality of your sermon. And really, a lot of the times, the more effective ways is just sitting down one-on-one. -on -one. 
and just encouraging them and telling them, hey, I'm, I'm here for you as your pastor or whatever you want to call yourself. And I think that's very effective because now you're in their life. You know, you're not just some guy or girl with a special position that they treat you with this crazy adoration and respect. You know, don't get me wrong, I respect everybody, I, but I respect everybody equally. I don't speak, you know, treat anybody any more special. Uh, but, but I think in the body of Christ, we should be treating everybody equally. Because um, you're all now, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, you're all now one. You know, I want to see more women ministering. I think women have been limited too much. I've seen some women preachers that are better than guys, you know. It's like, don't limit anybody just because you don't have a title or a role. Empower people with whatever they're good at and nurture it and let it grow, you know. Um, okay, anything else? Any other questions? Any other questions? <laughs> you know, I, my mom is one of the, is an amazing preacher. My mom could preach. Yeah. 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 It's a matter of learning and unlearning. It's very scary because you're you're threatening people's jobs that are pastors and elders, and um, it's scary. Look at me. You know, being trained to do something I don't want to do anymore. You know. And about the book, what did he say at the end? What book? Yeah, about the book. About his book. What did he say about um, It's just about encouraging people to have a, to choose another paradigm, to have a different attitude, to just learn how to live organically, um, and to do away with the hierarchy, the structure in that sense, and learn how to become more organic. Now, of course, he's more detailed, but yeah. So he gives you some hope. So he, he's not he's not saying that I see a relational church can yeah. be mixed together. It's it, it's very difficult. How can you? Because typically the IC has it, they're, they're, it's basically driven by programs and structure, hierarchical leadership, and it's at a building. So organic is completely opposite of that. So having a building that's called the House of God, having hierarchical leadership where people are over you uh, um, and all those things, that's a violation of the new covenant. You know, so. How, how about the, the phrase, we serve a God of order? Uh -huh. Yeah, I believe that. In yeah. First Corinthians, I think it's 14. Yeah. We serve a God yeah. of order, so okay. we have to have an order. Yeah, so for example, you look at the Church of Corinth, they were getting carried away with the spiritual gifts. In fact, they were abusing it. There were, there were people that probably weren't speaking in tongues and having an interpretation, and you know, etc. They talk about... But you, you don't look at Paul looking at this church as pretty messed up, even immoral at the same time in Corinthians chapter 5 when a guy's sleeping with his stepmom. You don't see Paul coming in and say, hey, you know, you guys are getting carried away here. You know, let me come in and let me lead the group. No, he wrote them a letter and says, here's how you can do it in an orderly fashion. 
So yeah, in our house, in our gatherings that I'm talking about, where there's open participatory gatherings, where everyone's free to function, the apostle needs to lay down the foundation and say, okay, we need to respect one another. You know, if you have a word, you can do it like this. So it's a matter of training and equipping them on how to do it. So there will be some type of order. If you have a tongue, we don't want someone sharing, and all of a sudden someone's like, da 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 speaking in tongue out of nowhere. No, we're, we're, there's, there's order in a gathering. I believe that, too. So, and and ha- having a leadership is needed? In a sense, but it's not in an official sense, the way it's done today, where you have like a, like a board or you have a paid staff. Um, like, I, I could just speak for myself. I look at the majority of our group as leaders because they, they just do it without even me saying stuff at times. They'll have a gathering because they don't need my permission per se, but we can talk about it as a group. I think the more we do things together as a group is pretty healthy because usually when you go to a church, the only ones that make the decisions are the leaders. And I find that very unhealthy because if that's a family, you just be, if you're part of an institutional church that just has a strong leadership, the people that are attending the church as, a, as members better hope that the leadership's on the, on the right page. You just have to follow along with whatever they're doing. The leadership says we need to go through this book for the coming year. You know, but if you're a family where everybody leads on some level, some more than others because of their personalities or callings, it's good to have decisions being made together. But yeah, leadership is inevitable, but not in the official sense. I think in the body of Christ, organic church, everyone's a leader. It's just in an unofficial sense. Yeah. So... I don't know if I explained it well, but yeah, it's in an unofficial sense where it's not like you're the this, you're that, now go do your job. Um, but everybody is a leader in the organic church. Just some more than others, they lead more. So, Just do you see any church uh, preaching radical ways and at the same time uh, run the church? Uh, in a relational way? In a relational way, icy way. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, not that I'm aware I'm sure that there are churches that are probably more relational than other churches, but I don't think they could get that deep, though, into a relationship, though. Those things happen outside of the church, in my opinion. Yeah, those things usually happen outside. Because don't get me wrong, there are wonderful people within the church, the institutional church, that are very relational. Like, How are you? And you'll have your little private talk while everyone's eating after the service. There are people like that, but that's not the norm. Maybe just uh, if you are thinking about the grace of God. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, the, the congregation will not uh, outlive the grace by the grace of God. Yeah. There's, there's no structures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pero they're still attending an institutional church that's full of structure, though. And for example, you know? just uh, maybe uh, in one of the congregation or the church, yeah. uh, give, uh, the wisdom to uh, maybe is uh, she or he is rich and they want to donate uh, to build an structure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, it's okay. It's okay. To build. Uh, like a place. There's there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with buildings. There's nothing wrong with buildings. It's the matter of architecture, the way it's designed. So like if you have a house gathering, the best way if you have chairs would to form the chairs in a circle. So it's just a matter of architecture. We're not against buildings. You have to meet somewhere. You know. I think even Paul rented something at one time in the New Testament. But but it's not the building. The focus is just relationship. That's all. But I think you and I could admit. You could sit through a service, you're bored. 
you're watching. You're waiting to be, oh, and I'm not trying to be me. I'm speaking from my, from my own opinion, my own experience. I'm bored. You know, and um, <laughs> depends. Depends uh, It depends on the pastor. It depends if the worship team is good. Um, the sound or. It happens. <laughs> I've been bored. I've heard some uh, grace preachers that I get pretty bored, but I like the content. You know, I'm like, uh, they're okay. They're not as dynamic as Joseph Prince, you know. But it's, I still get bored. And, and for me, I'm just saying, like, I find more, I'm more impacted by just building relationships instead of listening to somebody talk. That's just me personally. But I love sermons at the same time, too. So if people really love sermons. Just keep going to church. If you really like, I'll never stop anybody from going. Like I said, if you experience life there, stay. If you don't, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. You know, um, and don't go off and just be on your own. Have a community because that's what a church is. It's a community of believers sharing life together. You know. Um. What Noel is saying is when we started. Yeah. We just, we're just a small group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about those. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Clear naman and say, it's a paradigm, it's a perspective, di ba? 
hindi sinabi na alisin mo yung institutional church. Mm-hmm. Kundi, within the institution, kasi uh, we are here to ano, founded tayo doon, to register with us as organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hindi mo pwede i-do without yun kasi ano, law yun ng, ng bansa natin. Bansa natin. So, kailangan siya din yun, the same with traffic. So, nandiyan yan, pero with this institution, and with that new perspective on how, paano tayo makakakaksyon ng mga relation natin. Kasi ang, ang kilang doon is yung just be yourself and allow, kasi uh, and allow God to use us. Kung tayo natin dito sa structure, literally, bounded by the laws, rules, hindi ka tayo magagamit ni Lord. Pero even within, within the structure of the institutional church, pero tayo eh, tayo eh tayo. Yes. Diba? Yes. Ang ako ito tuong kaibigan sa inyo, kayo eh ganun din sa akin. We can function even in all the programs, we can be effective. Uh, I believe, with, with that perspective na sinasabi ni Joshua, yun ang key, hindi natin kailangan sabihin, paano na structure tayo? Paano nakaregister tayo? Paano may board? Eh, requirement yun eh. Pero kahit naandun yun, pwede nung wala yun eh. Naandun yun, pero iba yung nag-uusap, yung spiritually, iba yung iba yung movement natin dito as a church. Iba ganang ginagawa natin. Kasi nang sabihin, yung, yung ano, yung sinabi ni Joshua, mas maganda ka kasi kahit na dyan yung structure natin, hindi tayo bound to yung structure. Ang, ang kinakala natin ngayon, kasi with that perspective, paano tayo ngayon magiging totoo sa bawat isa? Paano tayo magiging relation at paano ako magiging totoong Eric sa inyo? Na hindi, hindi, hindi wala akong mas, kundi magiging totoo ako may hindi nga sa bawat isa sa inyo. I believe yun na yung, yun yung, yun yung perspective na sinasabi niya. Tanto ba yun? <laughs> I understand most of it. I think I did. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I, I understand. Tagalog tayo, no? I understand. I understand. Okay, English now. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> Ay, nako, okay. <laughs> I understand the whole registration and you're, you'll be recognized as an organization. Um, but that's, that's the thing though. Just something to ask yourselves. Do you really need to meet in a particular building? Do you need to? That's just what I say. Well, Josh, it's bigger. How many of you guys have homes? I think all of you do. I, I do think, for me personally, I love meeting in a home. Um, like I remember people saying, let's have Bible study at church. I'm like, ah, I don't want to have Bible study. This is a long time ago. I was really, even before I had this perspective, I was like, I didn't even want to have Bible study at church because it just felt so weird, like so empty. But when I go to a home, it feels more intimate, more homey, you know, because you're on a couch and then you feel more like a family. And then you're like, hey, let's go eat. You're just in the kitchen. You're on the, so just for me, I feel like the home is a wonderful place. Um, to meet up, but I understand if you need a building, you kind of need those requirements. So I, I understand that, but I do think that the home is is a solution of where you can possibly meet if that's what you choose to do. But I don't know. I don't know. It's up to you folks. But uh, but I love homes. Uh, just like what Robert say, God will provide. Yeah. Uh, 
I just want to remind everybody that tonight Joshua is just telling us about his point of view about the church. <laughs> so we will just listen to him. We will uh, ask him some questions. Then maybe some other time we will discuss to ourselves yeah. what do we think about his opinions and his views. Yeah. So I will answer the question where the church came from. I think it came from the Filipino Chinese because they own a lot of hardware. Siguro. <laughs> 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 you know, it's really interesting because everyone's really we could get too concerned with the buildings and the churches, but Christianity, the the early church, turned the world upside down without it for 300 years. For 300 years, there was no such thing as a church building, and it turned the world upside down. The gospel is here to us today in the Philippines. You know, and that's why when you have the gospel of grace and you have the gospel of power, you'll be very effective, even if you don't have the best programs, even if you don't have the best PowerPoints, because you're just reaching people through the love of God. Um, but but if people, like I said, people want to have those programs, it's okay, but I'm just saying I don't do it. I don't focus on it too much. Um, it's, just, it's really walking with people, folks. I think that's really what it is. If a non-believer can see a non-Christian outside of the church and say, well, you're actually hanging out with me. You know, it's like instead of you always trying to get me to go to your church, but you're hanging out with them wherever they go, maybe it's at a bar or maybe it's just at an unlikely place to find Christians. You know, they will be very impacted by your life. You don't have to do the stupid things that they do, but the fact that you're walking with them and they're saying, who is this? Just like Jesus is with the, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. You know, you, I don't think if Jesus was around today, I don't think he'd be caught up in the institutional church, in my opinion. But who knows, right? But I do feel like he would be out there in the world. He's not of the world, but he's in the world. And he'd be affecting a lot of people. Why? Because there's something about love. You get drawn to love more than a program. Because I could even go to a church and say, hey, that was a nice song. Praise God. Oh, that was a nice sermon. I got encouraged. Grace. Praise God. But there's something about when someone gets into your life, and I could go home saying, I'm really loved by these people, so I, I'm not alone. You know, and if I need someone to call me up, they'll be there. They will just ask me for a favor for ministry. Because many times it's just ministry-based friendships. You know, and I could go off on that a lot. I've been in so many churches, some of them, they don't even communicate with me anymore. You know, and I just, for me, I'm just being, I, I just, I just really want people just to know me and to know my heart and people that I could help with whatever giftings I have. And I, and I don't need too much structure to do that. And, um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. But I'm here to support you guys. I, I can trust your judgment. You guys know Jesus Christ. So, you know, if you guys are saying, Josh, what should we do? I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to share it to you in my heart. And if you're a family, you could say, okay, guys, what are we going to do now? And you can talk about it as a family. And see, well, how is it? What if, what if God desires of you folks to continue this institutional church? That's, who knows? And, but maybe you're going to do it a little bit differently than a lot of other institutions. Maybe your program might be a little bit different. You know, see, so who knows? I'm not telling anyone, let's get, let's demolish this building right now. <laughs> you know, walls get down in Jesus' name. You know, I'm not doing any of that stuff. So we will, you we know? will start the... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to crack a joke. I know you're going to crack a joke. We will start uh, uh, cutting our organization. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to the minimum. 
We will make Alan the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Just one page. He'll do, the <laughs> He'll do everything. <laughs> You know, folks, just, just follow your heart, just follow, but, but it's nice to know that you can make a decision as a family. Because yeah. if you're really a family, you'll make a decision as a family. Yes. Nobody you know. here is in our church. We are all pastors here. Oh, okay. There's no distinction. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. And I could see that, though. I could really see that, though, in your guys' group. I could see that. Our mission is... Right, right. And by that mission, uh, it will result to our mission, which is to live in life. Right, right. We receive, we receive, right. and we live. Yeah. Amen. You know, that's why sometimes a lot of the monies that we get could go to greater needs. You know, we have enough money to, to, to solve world poverty. Did you know that in this world? Yeah. But there are just too many stingy people. You know, but we have, you know, annually there's billions of dollars that goes into churches every year, buildings. Yeah. Is it necessary? It is a waste. Sayang, honestly, I feel like it is at times. At times, I just, it's like, is it really needed? No. You know, this one church just recently, they built a gym there, and it's like, their youth is even struggling too. But the gym will drop people. I don't think that's a solution. Especially building a gym. It's a lot of money, you know. I just say the simpler it is, the more effective it is, in my opinion. I think that's just how life works. You know, right? I just popped up in my mind, I'll get all cheesy. Relationships, husbands and wives, it's the simple things that really matter. It's not how much you spend on a big anniversary, dinner, you know, it's just when you keep it simple, those are the things that really matter to a spouse. Oh wow, I just made that up right now. <laughs> right? It's all about the um, any other questions or thoughts on that? I find this very radical that this gathering. It's I, very, very new to us. Yeah. No, I mean, just the fact that I, I, I messaged Frank Viola yesterday telling him about this gathering. Pray for me. You know, because um, you're allowing me to share my thoughts that are going to be challenging what's going on here. And that's why I was so, like, when they first asked me, like, oh, Josh, share your views. Are you sure <laughs> you want me to share? I was so hesitant at Tito Ding's house, you know. And but I, I respect you folks when you guys said that you're open. And like I said, I'm not here to say do it. My there's no perfect church model. There's no such thing. God is so different in different communities. He's so different. So just follow however God is guiding this church, this community. And I, I bet you you will flourish even more, you know. But but the what I learned is that be true to your feelings. Be true to your thoughts that go on in your mind, your, your feelings of uneasiness. It's like, I don't know about this. Just be true to that. You know, because when you deceive yourselves, you'll deceive other people too. You know, and for me, I just don't want to live my whole life just trying to please other people. You know, I'm not a lazy bum saying, I don't want to go to church, so forget it. No, it's just like, that's just not my thing. I'll do it another way. The way I enjoy it. You know, and it's just by doing it more organically in, my, in this sense. You know. Yeah. 
upon learning this truth, uh, this church is closed and will be much closer. Yeah. I think so too. However, the, the Spirit leads you. I, 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 if you guys are pretty good, rebellious, radical types, you know, like you're, you're not willing to submit to just people, but you're willing to follow Jesus Christ, yes. then I, I trust your guys. That I'm not even here to tell you to, what I want you to do. I trust you. I, I, I actually, I trust more of Jesus who's willing to guide you because your guys' hearts are so open. You know, Frank Viola even mentioned that th these books are not meant for people that enjoy the institutional church. These books are meant for people that are actually open and they have some questions in their mind. And I feel like you guys are at that place now. And uh, maybe some of you, like I remember Alan told me how much he enjoyed his church, but then when I started teaching him this stuff, he's like, ah, that messed me up. <laughs> you know, it's like, you just get a different perspective. So every time I go to a service, it's very different than how I used to feel like as a young pastor. But when I was young, I loved it. You know, there was singing and, you know, your congregation. But now it's just different. It's just a different... What if this two, these two years as Raining Life Church in Walter Martin was a season? So I'm not saying it was bad. Just what if it was just a season? And then what if there's just a different chapter now? Well, maybe he'll tell you to still stay here. Who knows? I don't know. But all I know is that these are new covenant truths that, that I'm learning and what's the best way to get a believer to fully express the gifts that God has given them? And I just, it's hard to see that in an institutional church with all the structure. It's just harder, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, what else? I don't know. How about, did I mention spiritual covering last time? Because that was my biggest issue. Because if you're not registered, you're just going to look like a cult group. You know that, so that's why I've been labeled a co-leader here, you know. So I remember when I was with some uh, leaders and they were telling me that their main issue with me was my spiritual covering. Have you heard of spiritual covering? Well, basically they'll, they'll ask you, you know, like, for example, I told you I came here with nothing. I came here with no church, no organization. And typically I'll be a threat to some people because here's this young, random guy who probably has a weird grace theology that could be heretical someone needs to guide his behavior to make sure he doesn't fall into any immorality or theological heresy so I remember one guy from this one church here was saying Josh their main concern with you here at these churches is a spiritual covering you don't have a covering of leadership so I told this guy so let me share it to you in my heart and I said you look at the scriptures of Jesus, and there's a bunch of religious people that went up to Jesus and said, by what authority does he do these things that he does? Jesus didn't even answer their question, because he knows where he gets his authority. And so I was telling this guy, who's hearing all these bad stuff about me, I said, you know these people that are so concerned about my spiritual covering, I have a question for them. Who's your spiritual covering? Because typically, when you're in an institutional church, you'll say, your spiritual covering is your home church. Or your mother church, because sometimes there's like daughter churches. Well, who is their spiritual covering? The denominational headquarters. It's probably the Assemblies of God or Presbyterian, USA, whatever your denomination is. Well, then who's their spiritual covering? It's Jesus Christ. You always have to push it a step back. Because I think we've given people too much power that these, these, they are your covering. They're the one that's going to guide you to make sure you don't go into theological heresy. You know, that could sound almost like... Catholicism, in some sense, where there's too much power to the magisterium and, and all these people, you know, I know that I won't, I, I don't have to worry about theological heresy because the Holy Spirit will guide me. 
You know what I'm saying? What makes people think that just because you went to seminary, you're going to be theologically okay? You know, I won't mention the church, but some guy attended my gathering, and then he liked our group a lot, but then he sent this message to all of my friends in our group and sent a thread on Facebook. Because, you know, I really like what you guys are doing, but we need to turn to the experts. You know, and he's like referring to people like John MacArthur and all these guys and all these things. And I was thinking, the experts, huh? You know who the experts were in the New Testament? They were the Pharisees. You know, the religious people. And I'm not against uh, seminary training because I got seminary training. But this guy, it's so funny because this guy doesn't know my background. And I could have just used all my degrees and says, I probably had more theological training than your head pastor. I got trained under the top some of the top philosophers in America uh, and theologians too but I don't go around showing my, my master's degree and my training in philosophy and all that when you guys meet me you don't, I don't talk like that <laughs> you know so who, who cares about your expertise in theological hermeneutics and uh, those things has its place don't get me wrong but the people have made it too much too professional I could look to someone who's a new believer in Jesus Christ and say, I think you could interpret the scriptures, you know, because you have the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you, you know. But a lot of people, they put too much emphasis on the structure of the church and professional ministers, and I don't think you, you see that in the New Testament. I don't see that, you know. And um, it, like I said, it's just very simple. It is very simple. I don't, I don't hate seminaries, okay? So just clarify. Yeah. But hey, folks, I don't know how long you want to keep this. This world is broken. It's full of broken people. The best thing that you can do with them is just love them and just walk with them. They don't care too much about predestination. They don't care too much about all these theological heavy stuff, you know, that, you, that has its time and place. But the simplest way to reach this world, the Bible says, is the unity of the body of Christ. If they can see the unity, they will believe. But look at all the denominations out there that are fighting each other about the tongues are for today, tongues are not for today, are you prophets, blah, blah, blah. You know, and this is the way we do baptism. and words. They're bickering over stupid things. Stupid things. I even saw a Facebook status the other day. It got over 100 comments. And these Christians are bickering on Facebook. And I, try, I clicked on these guys and said, who are these guys? You know who they were? Theological professors from the schools here. They were just some of the most unloving people. The comments that I heard, even the Muslim that was commenting said, this is why I don't want to believe. Because of people like you guys. You Christians can't even agree with each other. They're just arguing and fighting. They'll believe us when they see the love. They don't care how smart you are. They don't care. Really. They, you know that saying that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care first. And I think that even works within the body of Christ. I'll know you're my pastor in a way if you really show me. If you really pry into my life. You know, but that's just my thoughts. Maybe I'm too needy. I don't know. But that's just my thoughts. You know. Um, I just want to see people be okay. I want to see people be loved and just live in that. I don't want people getting too caught up with, I want to be in ministry so I can be on stage. You know, it just gets too performance, man. It's ridiculous, you know. If I could show a, a believer your love, if I could walk with you and, and guide you and encourage, I've done my part. I've showed you Christ, you know. Just how about the church? 
vertebrates? I don't know. Like I said, it's small. It's a that they are worshiping every Sunday. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I heard yeah. that. Maybe, yeah. They might. They might. So that's the thing. You, you have to go with, what if they like that? So maybe that's why they do it. And I heard from him that uh, he's preaching radical grace and at the same time running to the church under pure Maybe, yeah, so it would be nice. I would like to see that. Um, if you, that, Like I said, we, you have the truth here, just practically how does it function. So how do you have a church that's where everyone's able to participate, open participatory gatherings, where there's no hierarchical leadership, uh, where the, all the gifts are fully functioning, not just teaching or preaching, but even the supernatural ones. How The question is, how can we do that now? That's it. But like I said, if you're having a, a gathering where it's just like this all the time, everyone's just staring at me, then like I said, I could create passivity. <laughs> it could create passivity. You know, and you want to come up with good ideas on how, okay, how could we make this work? Um, but really, you know, folks, when you really think about it, that just that you can almost be a law mentality. Don't even worry about it. Now that the Lord knows your heart, let Him worry about it. And if he knows your heart is so open, he will show you guys. Because he's more eager to have you guys live together as, as a body, as a bride, than you are. And as long as your hearts are open, he'll show you. The Bible even says in the book of James that if you ask for wisdom, he's, he, he's not even going to hold it back. He's so willing to give it. So don't even worry about it. There are times I don't know what the heck to do, but I'll say, God, you do. I'll just wait. I don't know what to do. And he, he comes. He answers. You know, so now he knows your heart, he's not going to leave you hanging. Especially when your heart is really to help others. I believe that. Then you'll be, you guys will be okay. So I'm excited. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen while I'm gone for a month, you know? And maybe things will change, I don't know. Yeah. But what you guys are doing, very, it's very radical. And I commend you. I never would have imagined myself sharing this stuff in a church. Honestly. So I find, I find myself very privileged and honored. And I actually, my respect for you guys even went higher because you guys are not threatened to be challenged with some beliefs. You guys are open, and, and whether you believe it or not, you guys gave someone a platform to challenge your beliefs, and I find that very, I, I commend that. I commend that. So, thank you guys. Um, it, was, it was a long talk. <laughs> uh, like I said, check out those books if you can. Pagan Christianity, Reimagining Church, both by Frank Viola. And so you don't want to go to church anymore. That's found in a national bookstore. That book brought me to tears. Pretty, maybe like 500 or something like that. It's on, oh, it's also online. It's free online. Just search it online. So you don't want to go to church anymore. It's on our website, uh, New Covenant Reality. And um, it's there. And um, folks, know my heart. If, 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 you, if this stuff spreads and if people start not coming to your church, that wasn't my intent. You know, my heart was just to show you my heart. <laughs> you know, um, but pray for me because I'm going to put this online. So I'm curious of what people are going to say when they hear this. You know, even some pastors here in the Philippines. And my book's almost done. So pray for me. Hopefully it can get published soon. Um, uh, and I know that's going to um, challenge a lot of people here and in the United States as well. So pray for me too. That emotionally I can be ready. <laughs> you know. But I hope you guys know my heart. Yeah. You know.
no more. And I think you guys do. And so that's why I appreciate you guys a lot. And I, I, I really look up to you folks. This is the first time you discussed that uh, subject. In a church. Yeah, I've never. I've done this to like small groups. Is he just like discussing abortion in front of people? <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much, man. You know what I'm saying? So, but uh, you guys aren't like you know scary. So you know, I, I give you guys more credit. But really, thank you guys. And if you guys need any, just help with anything, I'm here. And my friends, they like you guys. You know. And uh, sure. All of you. <laughs> we like your food. <laughs> Invite us for food. <laughs> you know, but really thank you folks. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen with you guys. And continue to pray for us. Uh, we're getting more flack. I'm hearing more stuff lately. Um, some of our friends have been joining us from other churches. And they're, now they're hearing things now. And I'm not surprised. But I know that the more we do this stuff, the more persecution we're going to get. And so please pray for us, because it's new for some of them, you know. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Thank you. Yay! Okay.